Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing a topic that's trending on uh, TikTok, and it stems from an interview that Gwyneth Paltrow gave on the Wellness for Life pod with Dr. Will Cole, and it's the almond mom trend. So we'll get into that in just a second, but first, just a quick personal update. So it's so this is the second podcast that I'm taping this week. I'm trying to get ahead because I'm leaving for Massachusetts to get that business going uh, next week. So I wanted to kind of get ahead because. It's going to be just craziness when I get over there, and I'm not sure what my environments are going to be like for a little while, so I wanted to get ahead of things. I'm I'm shaking right now. I'm, I'm very distracted. I just will say that I, so as some of you have, if some of you have been listening for a long time, you'll know that we just won an arbitration case against the largest cannabis conglomerate in the world, Cure Leaf. And, you know, it's it's taken over a year. Uh, we've I've gone through a lot of trauma with this. I've been in crisis mode the past year. And, you know, we almost went out of business because of this. And we finally won. And and of course they objected and they dragged us more through through the system and and you know, of course, they're, they drag their feet paying us. And it's, you know, so we got the judgment back in December. And now it's halfway through March, and we still hadn't gotten paid yet. And I was just getting desperate. I'm like, I was depressed every day. I was just stressed every day, couldn't pay my mortgage. I mean, it's, it's just been awful. We we had to lay more people off. And, and it's just been awful. And so I've I've been wanting to speak about this on my social media pages, but I I waited. You know, I even waited, you know, I waited a week past when we finally got the the final final judgment. And because they they weren't paying us and they weren't getting back to our attorney, we finally had to like turn it into a judgment and, you know, so we can take them to collections. But even that process would have taken forever. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to just keep dragging on. And I I just got this like really hopeless feeling. And so I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, I got nothing to lose now. And I'm just going to start blasting them on my social media pages. So I went on my LinkedIn page, which is, you know, for those of you that know LinkedIn, it's it's professional, it's a professional site. And, um, you know, people get jobs there, but it's also, they allow cannabis businesses to speak. So unlike, you know, Facebook or Instagram. So I went on there and I just started posting about the situation. I've made three posts total, okay? One was a little over a week ago where I just posted like the front of the the case file and just said, I'm pleased to announce that we won our arbitration case against Cureleaf. I might have even read it on on one of these podcasts. I think I did. And, And literally like the attorney hadn't gotten back to us. And suddenly that night he says, oh, we're going to pay you. And I'm like, okay, was that in response? Because he said it like after my post went, went live. And I, because I said, I'm like, but they still haven't paid us. And the attorney's not getting back to my attorney. And then suddenly they get back to us that night. And they're like, oh, we're going to pay. We're going to pay. And so that was a Monday. By Friday, they still hadn't paid us. 
And, and the attorney wasn't getting back to us. And again, I'm like, what the hell? I figured by Friday we'd have at least word that they were sending over the wire. So the following Monday rolls around, Tuesday rolls around, nothing. And I'm like, what the hell? And I get, I, am, I just, I'm so pissed. And so I get back on my social media and I'm like, so now I'd like to share exactly how Cure Relief affected, negatively affected patient health care across Arizona. So then I tell this long story on a video that was a terrible video. I just, but I freaking just put it up and I'm like, I'm like, okay, so this is a hospice patient that got referred to us. And I just tell this, you know, eight minute story about this poor patient on hospice that anyway, I tell this story and, and then I said, you know, and I, and I put, and I posted it as, as we struggle to survive, as we struggle to wait till cure relief pays us. And lo and behold, that night they say they're sending the wire over. So I'm like, it's gotta be these posts on social media that they're responding to. So we finally get, like, my attorney got the money yesterday, <clears throat> which I was, like, psyched about. I'm like, okay, but I don't have, I don't have my money yet. There's going to be more days until it processes through the banks. And then, so, so Cure Relief, ironically, last night posts this, how they support women in weed and, you know, equity in the industry, hashtag equity in the industry. And I'm like... And I, I couldn't hold myself back. I'm like, okay, this is hypocrisy. And so I commented on their post and it was a company Cure Relief post. And like all the other comments are all rah, rah, Cure Relief, yay, great company. And I'm like, Puh. I'm like, Cure Relief supports women in weed. Ha, that's laughable. I'm like, I'm like, too bad. And like, well, what about the uh, my business that they shut down in Arizona? And what about the fact that they sued uh, in Massachusetts to slow down the inception of the social equity, you know, uh, program? Like, they support women? In, no. And I, I just said, so I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to speak my truth. And yes, it's negative, And I don't like to be negative. But guess what? You know, that phrase, what is it? Uh, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Guess what? guess what? You're going to get my wrath now. You're going to get my wrath because you've, you've dragged me this past year and a half down and, and we have nothing left to lose at this point. It's like, okay, we almost went out of business. I feel like I have not, like, nothing left to lose now. So I was like, so I make that comment. So this morning I get this text from my attorney and he says, it's from their attorneys, it's from the Cure Relief attorney office. He said, I got a call from someone in the attorney's office and it was like a paralegal. She wanted to confirm that we received our money. And then she said that I, she said, oh, Veronica has been posting on some social media site and, uh, and they want, they want me to take it down. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, but I'm, I'm literally shaking because obviously this is like, I don't want to get into another lawsuit. I do not want to get sued for defamation. And as we've seen, they can just silence people with, you know, or, or drag you through the court system and bleed you dry. So I obviously don't want that. But I also want to be able to speak my truth. So, you know, I'm, tr I'm, I'm treading water right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with anxiety at the same time, a little bit of like, well, I'm glad that um, my voice is resonating with you, Cureleaf. Suddenly they're listening to me 
Whereas when we were in partnership and trying to work with them and trying to be a good partner and trying to run our business, they wouldn't return my emails. Oh, suddenly because I'm posting on social media, now you're responding to us? Okay, I see how you work. You just want this public perception that you're a good operator. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, you're like crushing small businesses like mine. Okay, Kiralief, I see how you work. Anyway, I'm sorry, that was a huge tangent, but that is that is what's going on in my life. You know, I'm literally gonna I mean, we're gonna get paid, but we're still, you know, that that what they what we got paid for damages is just enough so that we'll survive and we can pay pay most of our bills and and get our business in Massachusetts going. But it's, you know, we certainly are not comfortable. You know, we have to watch every single penny still. And that's fine. I mean, that's the way we've operated for eight years. And and the fact that we can stay in business, great. But I need to go see a psychotherapist and like for PTSD at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so I've lost my appetite. (laughs) Not hungry right now. Um, So this week has been, um, you know, I've I've been eating healthy. I didn't go, go grocery shopping. So I've just been using what's in the house. Um, you know, I've just been trying to get through each day till we can get this, this, this money in the bank. And so anyway, sorry, that's, that's a long personal update. And I don't have a lot of like, I'm going to go after this, I'm going to get a Brazilian blowout because my hair is frizzy AF. And I'm going to try to get a hot sauna, a red uh, sauna in, infrared sauna, because I just need to like, trying to get a self-care day in today, damn it. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. Um, okay. That's my personal update. All right. So let's now get into this almond mom topic. I think it's, I think it's a funny name. It caught my eye. So I was scrolling in Instagram and by the way, follow me at the diet obsessed podcast. So I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and, uh, I came across this dietitian that I follow who was talking about, oh, some of you may have heard about this new TikTok trend, the almond mom. And it stemmed, she played a couple of very small clips from, uh, Dr. Will Cole's podcast, the wellness for life pod. And on it, Gwyneth Paltrow was talking about like what she eats in a day. Now it was a, it was an uber short, it was, it was a, a shortened clip. Like you, you could tell you didn't get, you know, the full interview, obviously. And this dietitian was like, you know, some of you may have seen on Instagram, Gwyneth Paltrow basically talking about her disordered eating behaviors. And I'm like, Ooh, what is this? And so it played some clips and, and this, so the term, the, the term they're using is almond mom. And so, and this came from Yolanda on the, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where she was telling her, her beautiful model daughter, Gigi Hadid, who's this, you know, very famous model, um, you know, to eat three almonds when she's hungry. Now, the actual scene that they were, well, I don't know if this was the actual scene. I couldn't find the clip where she was talking about, you know, specifically eat three almonds. But, you know, Yolanda has many clips when she was a housewife talking that that are laden in diet culture. And it makes sense. I mean, she was a, she was a famous model herself. So of course, models do have to, some of them anyway, do have to really watch what they're eating. I mean, their, their whole business is based on their body, 
which would suck personally. That would, you know, to have to really be so anal about every single morsel you put in your mouth. Um, that would be miserable. But, um, so, but I did go back and watch a couple of extra scenes with Yolanda in them. So there was this one talking about Gigi modeling and she, she was Gigi at the time. She she had to be, I think she was in high school still. And she was deciding to go, instead of doing so much modeling, she wanted to go back and play volleyball. And you, you see Yolanda in her confessional being like, oh, volleyball is a very masculine sport. And, oh, these, you know, modeling is very feminine, which is kind of hilarious. And she's like, volleyball players, you know, they're, they're big. They eat like men. And so kind of almost like, almost like there's like this negative aspect to Gigi wanting to play a sport because she'd get big and eat like a man, like a volleyball player, which is ridiculous. I mean, obviously, if you're that active, I mean, you burn a lot of calories and need to fuel your body of course if you're playing volleyball because it's exhausting but um anyway that's just you know her perception of it and then there was this other scene that I came across where she was at the birth at this birthday party and there were just you know delicious looking cake I don't know whether it was Gigi's birthday or another person's birthday or some sort of celebration where there was cake and she's like you'll hear Yolanda being like, oh, this is the hardest part about being on our diet, you know, meaning like you can't eat this cake. And, and Gigi's just like, well, I have to have a bite for good luck. You know, poor girl, this poor young girl wants some cake. And, and so she, and she's like, and you're going to have a bite too, mom. And so Yolanda's like, okay, well, I'll, we'll, we'll both have a small bite. I'll, I'll give you your small bite. You give me my small bite. And, and then Gigi has like a bigger bite. She's like, you know, mm, this is delicious. And Yolanda's like, I can't believe you just did that. And it's like, oh my God. I mean, that would send me into a full-blown eating disorder if my mom was doing that. But, um, and then you see her again in a confessional being like, if you want to be at your best weight, you need to make the right choices. The other, and I, and I didn't find clips of this. I didn't actually go back and search for them, but, um, but Yolanda also used to talk about doing the master cleanse all the time, which the master cleanse, I've never done this one. I, I didn't do it because I knew from the get go, I could not do this diet. It's like, you don't eat and you're eat, you're drinking this. And I don't, I forget how many days it's multiple days where you're not eating food and you're just drinking like lemon water, cayenne, pepper, uh, um, I think there's maple syrup in it. I mean, it's disgusting. I'm not someone that likes citrusy things. Like my stomach just curdles. I like lemon to enhance flavor, but I can't drink anything that's too citrusy. I don't know. It, it like, it bothers my stomach. Like I can't do shots any, ugh, I think it's from doing too many shots to be honest. And, and, you know, too many citrusy, like alcoholic drinks. I just like, I don't know. I just associate lemon with alcohol for some reason. I don't know. I was traumatized in college or something. And um, I don't know. It just, it does not appeal to me. I just always knew that I could never do that diet, especially something where you don't eat any food and you're just drinking that. And so Yolanda used to do that all the time. Like she, there was, cause she had lemon trees in her backyard. So she was always picking her fresh lemons and making her master cleanse juice. And I mean, it looked like complete torture. So, so she was big on that. And, um, and then on, on Gwyneth, so, so 
on the the Wellness for Life pod. So then I actually went and listened to the podcast. And I mean, I like Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, like, I like some of the woo-woo, like woo-woo stuff. I like a lot of that wellness stuff. I'm interested in it. Now, she's gotten some backlash, of course, for different things. Like, there was like that time in Goop, they, they were talking about inserting some sort of like egg into your vag and... Um, you know, it's supposed to be like cleansing or detoxifying or something. And meanwhile, they found that it could like actually give you bacteria infections or something. I don't know. There was, I forget the exact story, but there was some backlash to some of the things that have been published in Goop. But, um, so on the Dr. Will, now they are like fangirling all over each other when it first starts. Like, you know, Gwyneth is a fan of him and he's a fan of Gwyneth. And I think they work together in a a little bit more of a formal capacity where she listens to a lot of the advice he gives. And um, he said he used to hear her talk about like back in the day, how she would do this like macrobiotic um, diet. And, and she, and he was like, she's like, what was that? And she's like, oh, she tells a story about how like back in the day she was living in London and how London food at the time was very heavy and not good. And, um, and she was like, oh, she had, she had started doing a lot of yoga and there was this woman that taught this yoga program and she had this macrobiotic diet And she said she doesn't remember exactly what it was, but she just remembers that she had gained weight on it because it involved a lot of brown rice. Oh, that fattening brown rice, right? But but she ate a lot of brown rice. But but part of that diet was you didn't eat dairy, you didn't eat gluten. So she's like, so she did start kind of just getting into that kind of idea of wellness and and doing different things to achieve health through your diet and nutrition. And she just became like obsessed with just trying different things and trying out new, new diets. And, and so, um, so Dr. Cole was asking her like, so what is your routine now? And so she, and this was, this was some, this is where she, they got some of the clips on social media, but it's longer than that. So I listened to the, to the whole thing and it, Gwyneth was talking about her routine. She said she does intermittent fasting. So she usually doesn't eat until probably like noon, but she'll, but during that morning time, she'll have things that don't spike her blood sugar, like coffee. Um, she'll have like a celery juice. Um, so, so the, the first clip that said that, that was posted on TikTok was, it was very shortened because it just said that she had coffee, um, bone broth for lunch she would do an hour of movement doing a half an hour of the infrared sauna and then lots of vegetables for dinner and she and she was in what was important to her was supporting her detox so on the tiktok like they were making fun of her as if she only ate bone broth and vegetables well if you listen to the full thing um you know it's it is more than that now granted it's still very little food and and very very you know just just whole foods with minimal carbs so when when you listen to the full podcast she talks about how she eats paleo that's basically how she eats and um she eats dinner uh early she said she likes to be done eating by 7 p.m and along with the coffee that doesn't spike her blood sugar she will uh drink some celery juice with lemon 
Uh, she said that she gets impacted very easily, that her body doesn't naturally detox like other people's. And that is, I mean, that is something that, you know, you do have to do different things with your nutrition. Like my mom has to do like eat a lot of fiber. Um, and so, so it sounds like Gwyneth, you know, does things like that to do the same so that she can detox. Um, but she said then she does either the high, high, higher dose blanket, which is like an infrared blanket, or like she'll go into her infrared sauna. And then she talked about, uh, for soup, for lunch, she likes a lot of soups. She said that Goop has this green soup that's really delicious that she loves and she heats up. Uh, she, she does do bone broth. So that was on the clip from TikTok. She does a lot of bone broth. Um, she's like, oh, and, and her and her husband also do uh, TM meditation, trans, transcendental meditation in the morning for 20 minutes. It's part of her routine. Um, she does dry brushing before she gets into her infrared sauna. And then at night, she said she eats a lot of a lot of vegetables from local farms. She's like, we're really lucky here in California. We have delicious vegetables and tons of produce. And then she also eats some sort of fish or other type of birds, uh, poultry. And then she's like, we get clever with our carbs. We'll do things that like sweet potato noodles, or we'll make tacos with grain-free tacos. Um, and she's like, you know, she's like at first, you know, and I think what she's saying here, she's like, at first I thought I'd have to eliminate all the pleasurable foods. And I think what she's talking about there is she's talked about a couple of things that she struggles with health-wise. One of them was, it sounds like, regularity with her bowel movements. I know she's, I, But I think what she's learned is that some she's eliminated food. She's probably done an elimination diet, which is kind of like the whole foods diet or the whole 30 where you like eliminate certain food groups and slowly incorporate them back in so you can actually see what is negatively affecting your body. Um, so I think that's what she's talking about where she's like, oh, at first I thought I'd have to eliminate all the delicious foods. Um, I think because she was like, my body really reacts to gluten and reacts to these things. So, um, but what she said is that, but she's really talking about um, you know, do I have to eliminate all the things that caught that make food delicious? And she's like, but there's so many herbs and chilies, you know, things that pack your food with flavor, you know, especially Mexican food and Asian foods. She's like, you know, people come over and eat at our house, but they don't know that they're necessarily eating paleo or healthy food, you know, because the flavorings, there's so many great things to season your food with. Um, now, I'm sure that's true. Like, I'm sure they make really delicious, healthy food. I would probably guess that you can tell, but I mean, I'm sure it still tastes good. Uh, to me, I mean, now I don't, I know you're not supposed to comment on people's bodies or what, what women look like, but you know, when you see Gwyneth on this, if you look at the video of her, I mean, she does look too thin. She looks, she looks, you know, very frail and wafy and she looks like she definitely needs more fat in her diet. I don't know. I, I, and I'm not judged because of course I'm judging. What am I saying? Of course I'm judging, but you know, she, I, I think incorporating a lot of healthy fats is important. I think again, some fat as we age is important 
And, um, you know, she eats so clean that she probably has like no excess fat on her body. <laughs> so, um, again, I, I just think as we age, we can use some fat anyway. So it was funny. So some of the other TikToks that were on there, you saw like some funny, like memes from, from, and, and just different videos that Betches media made, like, you know, this girl, Nicole, she's like, I don't, I, she's like emulating, uh, an almond mom. She's like, I don't need dinner. I have a glass of wine, kind of like Marisol. But so, I mean, the, the, the gist is, is, you know, you have, you have a mom who's like so, so focused in and entrenched in diet culture. And then they kind of like force that or maybe they don't even force it. I think there's some parents that force it on their children because of their own anxiety and their own hangups with fat phobia and diet culture. And then there's some that just act like that. And of course, it like children can't help but pick up on their parents' behaviors. Um and I think there's different variations. I think there's, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk about like other famous almond moms. <laughs> and I think there are, you know, I think there's like the, the Emily Lubins of the world where her mom literally sent her to a fat camp, um, you know, and, and really had a lot of anxiety about her daughter's weight uh, you know, it sounded like Fiona that I talked about on my last podcast or one of the most recent ones. Uh, it seemed like she, she, I think her parents, it seemed like her parents just wanted them active at camps and it, cause it wasn't just a fat camp that she got sent to every year. She got sent to horse camp and, you know, art camp and all these other camps. So I don't know what level that was in, but, um, and then you have like Taylor Strecker's mom who took her to Weight Watchers. So Taylor, obviously, who just started Ozempic or Wagovi or whatever, or Manjaro, whatever, um, you know, she's definitely got the, the, the diet culture. She's a little bit messed up in the head because of the diet culture. Now, I don't know whether, you know, she was, it was her mom's idea, like, hey, Taylor, come to, come to Weight Watchers with me. <clears throat> or it was like, her mom, or it was Taylor being like, hey, can I go to Weight Watchers with you? And just because she picked up on, on her mom's behaviors. You know, one of the things that I, I always liked with the DST girls, Aileen and Sammy, is that, you know, one of their focuses was wanting to improve their own relation to food, relationship with food, and, and how they spoke about diet culture, how they spoke about their bodies, because they, they were very conscious of not wanting to pass those behaviors on to their children. So I think it's good that this is trending. I think it's, it is important for parents to have this type of awareness. Um, I then, you know, was thinking about other, and I think, I think now that we're kind of voyeuring into people's real lives on on social on, on not just on social media but on reality TV that's where you see a lot of it you know i would imagine that this has has been part of celebrity culture for a long time because of the pressure of celebrities you know being on camera having to look a certain way having to look a certain way to keep their jobs and you know you hear about all i mean look at um you know, so many famous actresses from the past that would use drugs to, to sleep, to wake up, to, you know, lose weight, to maintain weight, to not have an op appetite. I mean, it's, you, you hear stories of Marilyn Monroe and all these other, you know, um, 
the woman from the wizard of oz what's her name judy garland i mean all these these famous actresses that you learn about after the fact that they went through a lot of shit just you know because they were famous and because they had to look a certain way and the pressure involved with that um so of course yolanda and being a model of course yolanda there's that extra pressure that's involved um And I think, you know, when you get pressure from your mom or your dad or whoever it comes from with your parents, it can definitely shape you and make you have insecurities and not feel good about yourself and, and all those things. And I think with some extreme cases, I think it can cause eating disorders, right? I think, um, in other cases, like I, I, I also think there's such a thing as, parents that just live by example and are just good examples for their kids. Like my friend, Melissa, that I've talked about, like she never made a big deal of eating healthy. Like I was always like, she's so tiny. Like, and I was, remember I I talked about this in the past, but I was like, I wonder how she eats. And she just ate very like, you know, nutrient dense things. She just would always choose these very, you know, like whole food type foods, but she never talked about it. She never made a big deal about it. It was just like what she did. And it was just a, just a habit like that you could tell that she just kind of like grew up that way and she didn't make a big deal of it. It wasn't, she didn't seem to be trying to control her weight. She just, again, this is how she ate. So I think that's like kind of a, a, like when you have good examples, you know, the, the other thing that was on there was like when your mom is the opposite of an almond mom. And there was this girl that was like, okay, I'm on my way to my mom's and I guarantee there's going to be some delicious snacks here. And then you have like, you walk in and there's all the spread out for her daughter and she's like eating a grilled cheese and her mom's just like constantly feeding her all this delicious stuff. Um, I'd say that's kind of like my mom a little bit. Like my mom is just always wanting to feed us. Uh, You know, we had, like I talked about, we, we had the opposite. We had families that like wanted you to eat like eating is love food is love eat 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 you know it's just they worry about you if you're not eating and so um you know and there was a time that my mom you know privately expressed some concern um about another family member's weight at one time but she she did it privately and you know, it was, it was, it was something that she would never bring up to that person's face. So, you know, my mom was very tactful and because I would imagine that it is normal for parents to have some concern. Like Emily Lubin is very gracious about her own mom's worry and concern about her and, you know, what society looks at you as a parent, like, oh, you're you're overfeeding your kid or you're a bad parent because your child's overweight. I mean, there's all this society, you know, societal pressure towards parents, too, I would imagine. Again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But, you know, you I'm sure there's concern over your child's welfare, like you don't want your child to um, have heart attacks or diabetes. I mean, childhood diabetes is a huge thing right now, right? Um but you don't want them facing the challenges of society and how, you know, fat phobia and, you know, you want them having that thin privilege, right, that we talked about last time. So so there's all kinds of, of messed up things in our society with, with parents and their relationships to their children and, you know, trying to 
do their the best they can. Again, I'm glad I'm not a parent. <laughs> I know a lot of you are probably parents. So I would be curious if any of you have anything to share on this. Feel free to DM me. Let me know your thoughts on this topic. Do you think you're an almond mom? Did you grow up with an almond mom? You know, are you someone that just, you know, tries to have good habits for and, and be a good role model? Um, now, there were a couple of interesting articles on this. Um, so there was a Teen Vogue article and then there was also another, let's see, there was a Good Morning America article. So they came from different perspectives. The Teen Vogue one was how toxic diet culture is passed from moms to daughters. And then, so it says, so I'll just read it. When I was a kid, I thought my mom was the most beautiful woman in the world. She never seemed to think of herself the same the way. My mom had been on a diet for almost her entire adult life. She started her first diet, she told me, when she was a junior in high school. Every important woman in my life has mirrored the same habits. My mom and my aunt would say the same things to each other at Thanksgiving dinner, Mother's Day brunch, Yom Kippur. You look so thin. Have you been dieting? God, I look disgusting. Tomorrow I start my diet. Ugh, I've been so bad this week. It's no wonder that I grew up, that when I grew up to look like my mom, I also developed her feelings of body insecurity and harmful eating patterns. I was 10 when I first began to feel insecure about my body. At 11, I began to feel shame over food. At 13, I began restricting my eating. By 17, I was on Weight Watchers. According to a 2015 review from Common Sense Media, Children ages five to eight who think their moms are dissatisfied with their own bodies are likely to have this, those same ideas about their bodies, perhaps worse. One in four children have tried dieting by age seven. That's crazy. For today's young girls, their mothers probably started dieting at just as ripe of an age and their mothers before them. And for different cultures, these pressures inherited from mothers can manifest in various intense ways. The foods, methods, cultural lore, and terminology has changed, but the goal has remained the same, to become smaller, no matter what the negative consequences or personal repercussions may be. Young people today are increasingly fighting against the idea of body ideals, and generations of fat activists have paved the way for the more critical lens many of us see diet culture through today. Still, despite more representation of different body types and outward proclamations of self-love, the lessons we learned in those childhood years about how we should stick, uh, about how we look, uh, how we should look, stick in our minds despite our best intentions. A generation raised on diet culture. My mother was born in the late 1960s, making her part of Generation X. She was born during the rise of diet culture, as we know it today. The societal belief system that prioritizes body shape and size over well-being, equating thinness with health and morality. It's a whole system of feeling and thinking and moving through the world. It's everything from gender norms that expect particular appetites and bodily shapes out of men and women all the way to, sh all the way to show the media industry supports diet culture. Sorry, that was a little weird. Gen X and baby boomer women, like my mother, grew up entrenched in diet culture that told them being thin, white, and conventionally attractive were the most important things. Their celebrity role models were largely all thin, fat, fat women in media, 
still were still so often the butt of the joke. Pop culture involved weight loss, and a new fad diet popped up seemingly every year. There was the grapefruit diet and the cookie diet in the 70s, cabbage soup diet and slim fast in the 80s, the low-fat craze of the 90s. These women then inadvertently passed their toxic habits down to their daughters. But their Gen Z and millennial daughters like me, born into a growing revolution of body positivity, or more recently body neutrality and self-acceptance, have come to recognize their mother's behaviors are problematic. For women who have a history of dieting, even when they try really hard, I think they do sometimes pass on those destructive ideas about how you're supposed to eat, how you think about good and bad foods, what it means to be thin. There's lots of pressure on moms to figure out how to do that right. Annie, a 22-year-old public relations professional, attributes her issues with food to Gen X moms. My mom has always struggled with weight, and my grandma was a food pusher, and so she wanted to be the opposite of that for us. I think my mom started weighing me in probably fourth grade. That really started me down this path of being obsessed with my weight and having body dysmorphia. Another example, April, a 25-year-old woman in Pennsylvania, grew up watching women in her life harbor unhealthy relationships with food. In high school, she began taking diet pills and skipping meals. She later developed binge eating disorder. My mom so badly didn't want us to struggle with the same things she did, said April. During certain times in my childhood, my mom would was just protecting. My mom was just protecting because she wanted me to be healthy, but it was just too much. Annie and April both echo what I, what I, uh, sorry, Annie and April both echo what I grew up hearing my mom tell me that she didn't want me to have to spend my whole life dieting like her, but in their best efforts to prevent their daughters from experiencing the same strife they did, our mom seemed to accidentally send the wrong message. Parents are agents of socialization said Rayanne Streeter, a professor of sociology at Maryville College. If your parents have a particular idea about what a body should look like or have their own feelings about their bodies and dieting and diet culture, you would be similarly socialized. Still, we can't always fault our parents for instilling this culture, Streeter said. They exist in the same world that we do, and they probably have their own body trauma to deal with. Many mothers want the best for their daughters, but their ideals aren't necessarily the same as their daughters. Meg, 57, grew up being shamed about her body. She was cajoled into dieting when she was very young and developed eating disorders that persisted through adulthood. When Meg had her own daughter, Carson, who's now 22, she knew she didn't want to treat her like her parents had treated her. But when Carson gained weight naturally, Meg panicked and began restricting her eating, perpetuating the cycle. I knew I was doing it, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of power over the fact, said Meg, a Los Angeles. Um, uh, sorry, this article keeps switching. I knew I, I was doing it, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of power over it. Over that fact, said Meg, a Los Angeles-based nutritionist and yoga teacher. It was just so central to how I determined my worth as a human being, and therefore her worth as a human being. I had this inherent opinion that being in a larger body was bad, said Meg's daughter Carson. So I spent a lot of energy and time as a kid trying not to not to have that. 
As Meg went through eating disorder recovery, she spent time reflecting on how her actions had affected her daughter. I put Carson through the ringer, she admitted. Over the past years, Meg and Carson have had many conversations about their diet, about their relationship and diet culture. The road to self-acceptance has been harder, hard for both. It's a hard thing to unlearn, Carson said. It's hard to come to terms with seeing your body change and being okay with it. There's just a cycle of shame, and we're living proof that it's really hard to break. The pushback and tough conversations between mothers and daughters may in part be because of increased social awareness within Gen Z and millennials, but also among society in general. We're more conscious of diet culture now. Quintus explained that Gen Z has grown up in a different environment. There's a lot more diversity in size and shapes and what people will wear and how they'll put their bodies on display proudly. Social media has led to a lot of younger generations' education. It has taught women to learn about concepts like diet culture and examine how it's impacted their lives. For instance, I first saw the term diet culture on Twitter and learned about intuitive eating through TikTok. Social media has shifted the narrative about bodies and diet culture and has given young, uh, uh, the younger generations a real accessible platform to talk about diet culture and push back against it said Streeter, the sociology professor. Breaking the cycle. The conversations happening between mothers and daughters are important, but they're just the beginning. Education on what diet culture is, how it manifests, how it impacts relationships, and how to combat it may be the key to breaking this toxic cycle. It's not an easy thing to do, Quintus said, that for women who have only known this diet culture and its trappings, a change in thinking and lifestyle can feel destabilizing. It's really hard when you've spent decades of your life absorbing these ideas just to throw them away. But the $71 billion diet industry probably isn't going away soon. There's just too much invested in it. But Meg and others are hopeful. Change is evidently coming. And the more we talk about diet culture, the more power we have to escape it. I've moved out of the house I grew up in, but when I come to visit, it's difficult to not fall back into those old habits. It's even harder to see my mother continue to diet and restrict herself. Last year, my mom and I sat down on the couch and had a conversation. It wasn't easy. We both cried, but it felt good to express how I'd been feeling. I've been able to educate her on diet culture and encourage her to see food without such a strict lens. Still, as Quinta said, it's hard for my mother and other women to change their outlook after 40 or 50 years of doing so. She's learning and growing, and so am I. Most importantly, we're doing it together. That was a good article. That definitely highlights everything I just talked about. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an important conversation, right? I, I Again, if I was a parent, I would... Ugh, it's, it's, a, it's a hard topic. I'm sure parents struggle with this. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from any parents in the audience. Like, what is your opinion on this? What are your thoughts on it? Do you, do you struggle? Is it easy for you? Because you, um, I don't know. I'd just be curious to hear from parents. The other article was a Good Morning America article that just really talked about, um, you know, what is this, what is this, you know, almond mom thing? And, you know, and it just talked about how it is trending from TikTok and, you know, how the hashtag almond mom is, is, is trending and, you know, it just details some of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think it's, it's funny because I think some of these social media platforms are, um, you know, can be bad for mental health. And then I think in other ways, when it's helping just educate people about the dangers of diet culture, 
and and body neutrality. I think there can be some positives and in, including this like just growing awareness. So, you know, there's good and bad. But um yeah, so that's the episode today. Uh I hope all of you enjoyed it. Uh we will have another episode coming up soon. Every Sunday we drop an episode. Now, next week is going to be another episode of my subscribing subscriber series called Craving More. I will be talking about how Weight Watchers um is suddenly prescribing weight loss drugs like Ozempic. So, curious to detail this, you know, is it genius? Is it stupid? We will discuss. Um so I hope uh, would love for you to subscribe to Craving More. That's just in your podcast apps. You just click on it to subscribe and you'll get two additional episodes every month in addition to the two free ones that I put out every month. Uh, so definitely consider doing that. Uh, and then also would love you to review the show. So go down wherever you listen to podcast. Let me know what you think of it, good or bad. We'd love to hear from you. Leave some stars. That means a lot to us. Please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Um, and until we meet again, I hope all of you have.